This is the Adirondack Books and Beyond podcast. Here we go. Oh, what a hog! Take him, Corey. Out of boy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Adirondack Bucks and Beyond podcast. Tonight, it's uh, Corey, Brad, our father, and uh, our good buddy, Nicholas Casey. Oh, howdy. Also known as Gunga. Yep, the Gungi. Um, got quite a bit to talk about tonight. Got some talking points that we're just going over that we're going to talk about. And I think the first one we're going to jump into is Gunga over here shot a real nice buck. Actually, uh, dandy buck. Yeah, not far, not far from where... Corey and my leases in farm country, and uh, we actually had some history with that buck, and Gunga ended up sealing the deal on it. So, Gungi, take take it away. <laughs> oh, I wish I had more of a story for you, but uh, opening morning, head out to my stand. I sit there. I don't see a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not atypical. It's about yeah. uh, 11 a.m. I see a little doe about 100 yards out. And there's a buck about 40 yards behind her, and he just turned, gave me a broadside Was he in shot. the woods or was he in the field out there? No, he's in the woods. He was in the woods. And he came trailing her, right? Is she? He wasn't right on her. It was kind of weird. I saw her, and then there's she was coming out of some thick stuff, and um, he was off behind her and then he didn't stay right on her trail he actually kind of cut off was he corralling her like keeping her in an area no i don't think so i don't know what the deal was <clears throat> it always interests me to what what the big bucks are doing with the doe are they actually right on the doe or are they just keeping yeah, her i was the... i was wondering if these deer came to him because they got bumped to you but it sounds like it was this doe brought him to you i I would think it's the doe because I hadn't seen anything else movement wise, mm-hmm. and and I mean that's what's the date on that opening day was what November eighteenth, seventeenth, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So right prime, that time prime time, yeah, yeah. yeah, prime time, yeah. But just to backtrack on the story a little bit, uh, this the buck that Gunga actually ended up shooting was the biggest buck that Corey and I had a trail cam photo of yeah. on on our lease, and we're like, and Corey, he I mean, showed up could, the he could, showed up the first time on camera. October 26th, which, yeah. which is also weird in and of itself because now that we've built some trail camera data over the last few years on this specific property in this area, the does on this farm, on this one specific part of the farm, all tend to get hot. Or excuse me, I shouldn't say that. At least one of them tends to get hot around October 26th, 27th, mm-hmm. 28th every year. I shot a buck in there. Two years ago now, same exact area. Mm-hmm. It was crawling with bucks that day, crawling with deer activity in general. And then this year, we didn't hunt it those specific days, but we had trail cameras in this area, and it blew up again, and this deer showed up. He came in. He hit every scrape. Hit every scrape. Had. One night, he was on three different cameras in this area, I think two or three different times, just back and forth, working scrapes, chasing does. He actually daylighted in the one field yeah, I, w- I went and hunted them the next night after he did and that ties into something we're going to talk about afterwards yeah. but daylighted long story short beautiful deer beautiful eight pointer came out of nowhere and then november 14th i go back in to hunt the area that i had gotten pictures of him and thought he might have been hanging out in 
heard two bucks sparring off in the distance right at last light. He came running through it like 75 yards. I was like, wow, that's a super for a round home. That's a super mm-hmm. nice deer, like really, really nice buck. And he was beating the crap out of this other really nice buck, which I think was the one you ended up missing with your muzzle loader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so never really knew what happened to him. And then it was three, four days later. He ends up falling into Gunga's lap over there, and Gunga put the wood to him. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because with those bucks, like, on that on that one certain ridge, well, like, you just watch them, and they'll just go back and forth between. Oh, like, it's where an he awesome is cruising ridge. Awesome cruising yeah. ridge. Yeah, I wish they would cut up there. Like, we've yeah, talked well, about like, a million times. <clears throat> what you're saying about, like, your annual data, I don't run trail cameras nearly as much as you guys do, but that particular spot where I shot that buck, this year and last year, so two years in a row, I've checked that stand the weekend before the season opens to make sure, you know, it's safe to climb up and mm-hmm. all that. You know, I'm waiting yep. too long to do yeah. it. but uh, I get it. Both weekends before the opener, I've gone down in there, and I've kicked at least one buck and a doe out at that spot. Every, oh, really? Yeah, the past two years. Oh, yeah. oh that's well, both of them You're getting the same there. data, though, from observation that we're getting from running mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. It's no different. You're, you know, you're just getting it Well, a it's funny way. because, remember, <clears throat> was it la- not this last season, but the season before, I think it was oh yeah it was opening day of rifle and we drove up there and that buck was standing right out in in the front yard of you oh know, whose house. yeah 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 I do remember that super and, nice uh, buck yep same area so that's kind of that's pretty cool yeah no that's uh, congratulations that's seriously that's a really yeah. nice was buck. that, is that your best buck him. here in New York yeah the only buck I've shot bigger than that is that one in Pennsylvania a few years which, ago. which awesome. that was a stud that <laughs> yeah. was a, yeah. that was a monster yeah, yeah. that was yeah, a good one a dream and it's yeah. actually funny because that morning I j- it just hit me that morning you were you were sending us snapchats and you were having a pretty <laughs> slow morning and then all of a sudden you had this dandy buck on the ground <laughs> yeah it came yeah, out of that's nowhere that's classic deer hunting there's yep. nothing happened nothing happened and then oh yeah I think yeah, the never know what it's gonna you know gonna the go your way was, that one will do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yes he will eric gunga's like oh my god why am i even sitting here right now <laughs> gunga's the gunga's the duck hunter yeah. gunga's big duck hunter these days so, i don't blame him the deer woods yeah get slow hey let me tell you i went duck hunting for the first time ever and awesome experience loved it texted gunga immediately and was like i understand now mm, <laughs> like, yeah. this is awesome yeah yep. this is awesome but uh good stuff Good stuff. Yeah, we were gonna roll over into. You said you wanted so, to go yeah, back that, to so the, getting back to like the trail cam stuff. What I was just talking about with the trail cam data. Um, so I'm a novice at using trail cameras. I'm still learning a ton of it, but I realized this season I've been using them the wrong way. Um, if I do decide to use them in a certain area, and what I mean by that is like I get caught hunting behind the curve as far as. Mm-hmm. We are building the annual data that guys are so big talking about these days that a lot of big woods hunters are using to be very successful. But the problem is I think I feel like I've become reactive to using it as far as, okay, a buck shows up here two, three years in a row, November 17th. Well, instead of waiting for that day to get there, I need to be proactive, get ahead of the curve, be in the woods the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, because you really never truly know when that buck's going to show up. Right. But it at least puts you in the right time frame. It puts you in the right area at the right time. The rest is in your hands to make happen. And that, that's where I'm falling victim to these cameras, and I, I got to change that personally moving forward. And I think that's something that as a group too, like you and I in particular, because oh, yeah. we ran a lot of cameras, mm-hmm. I think back to early bow season. <laughs> early bow season we had – a plethora of bucks. Nothing great, nothing giant, but, you know, a plethora of nice bucks. I would shoot my bow for sure. That any of us would shoot with our bow Mm -hmm. all the way from October 1st 
through October 20th on one farm in particular. Yeah. The problem was we had these cameras running and we were never ahead of the game. Right. We would get a picture and be like, okay, let's go hunt there tomorrow night. Well, by that point, that things have already Dude, changed. The deer's on the other side of the farm. He's using another entry into the field. He's in a different cut, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. It never panned out. We need to get better. I need to get better at not necessarily guessing, but being a little bit more predictive with how that stuff works. Right. Well, I think like that goes to show like for like, I guess the buck that, that one buck in particular that we have on camera, the giant. Up in the Adirondacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, you were talking about it this year. You are like, okay, well, we had him on camera here, you know, the 11th and the 12th or, or whatever in this certain spot. And you are like, oh, but this year, he, and you said that buck showed up on a cold front with this wind or whatever whatever it was. Yep, yep. And you're like, but this year it's like two days earlier or two days later. And mm-hmm. you're like, somebody needs to get up in there when that cold front comes in because I right. think that's what's going to trigger him to be there rather than just the date in particular. Yeah, there's like, so, so many facts. There's so yeah. many facts. I mean, the really, when you look at it, the trail camera picture in reality only tells you that a buck's alive mm-hmm. and he's in a specific area, yeah. maybe a specific area or a generalized area for a very short amount of time. That's it. Outside yeah. of that, it's up to you to figure out the rest. What terrain feature do you want to hunt? Do you want to hunt one side of the mountain versus the other? Do you want to hunt this trail, that trail? Hey, there's so many different things that come into play, mm-hmm. but – it at least puts you in the right place at the right time. And hopefully now moving forward, looking at what we've learned just over the last two to three years in particular, we can make better judgment and be in place for when these bucks do decide to do what we think they might do. Mm-hmm. Right. And that buck was getting hammered with pressure too. Oh, Big by hammered. everybody that was hunting up there. There's and, not, yeah. there's not many people that hunt the Southern Adirondacks that don't know about that deer. At this yeah. Point. He's pretty much just celebrity at this point. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, even with all that pressure, once the the rut, the time frame for the rut came around, he was daylighting like crazy on people's trail cameras. He was. You know, yeah. He was very active. It's imp- it's amazing, too. In the places he was being hunted. Yeah. Yeah. Places that were frequently hunted. Yes. Well, like Brad and I, I mean, Brad and I just talked about it on the last podcast, too, about this buck. And it's just like crazy how, how many people know about him and how many people hunt him. And no one even sees him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You don't even see this and buck. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that next year his core area gets even smaller yet. Yeah, because he's another year older. I mean, he's going to be at least five and bare minimum five and a half, possibly six and a half next year. His comfortability surviving two, three, maybe four seasons as a mature buck Mm -hmm. has got to be through the roof. He's it's got to be. He's a buck that I would give my left arm to have GPS data on. I want to know how he has survived. What hole is he crawling into to survive? I don't know because we checked every one of them. <laughs> I feel MSU, so I don't know. Yeah. MSU Deer Lab needs to come up to the Adirondacks right now. Yeah. <laughs> come out of the thing. Delta region of Mississippi and for, head up to the Adirondacks. For a buck that appears so careless and reckless on trail camera in the daylight, I don't know how he does it. He is, an abs- he is a ghost. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. his antlers are enormous. I don't know how you hide those things. <laughs> yeah. He looks like they, they took a buck from – I mean, honestly, in Illinois or Iowa, he'd be a very average mm-hmm. deer. But it looks like he took a buck from the Midwest and put him up in and these he, mountains. That's and he's he a like. scrape hound. <laughs> if you make a scrape, he will hit it within a yeah. week of it being there. He's really? going to take it over. He, every scrape it's that we ridiculous. had cameras on, he's hitting. And he's pretty much it's unreal. the only buck wow. hitting him. Yeah. But, but that's not just ours, too. It's Because like we said in the last podcast, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of guys we're close with who we talk to all the time. Mm-hmm. And he hits their scrapes, too. So he, I mean, like, he's hitting scrapes in areas that we didn't even know he hung out in or, or checked. <laughs> no. It's insane. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's That's a special deer. That he's really probably is. the type that gets killed when he's after his prime, and, it, like, it's almost kind of lost its lust, so to speak. It's he's, right. still, he's still a treasure. It's really, it's really funny you say that because um, one of the guys I filmed at Just Hunt Club, so he's been after this buck 
I, I he's I, I've showed you guys the pictures of it. He's 11 years old. This buck. Wow. And he has. I think he said prior to this season, he's only had one chill daylight trail cam picture of it ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. How? Yeah. How does? How Dude, do they do that? This year, he's 11 years old. He has had. I want to say. 50 daylight pictures you had to show me like there was a stretch of like three days in a row where he was daylighting multiple times in the same day on different cameras Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i mean it's insane he's like i think it's just because he's getting old and he's just like threw everything out the window like it's almost his time he's just going out doing whatever he needs to do and he's just traveling throughout the day (laughs) right right it's crazy yeah crazy yeah so hunting ahead of the curve you by happenstake and i'm looking at my dad here by happenstake you were ahead of the curve quite a few times in the Adirondacks, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, you, considering how much you hunted in the grand scheme of the season, a six-week season, you probably cumulatively hunted, what, seven days? No, nah, probably a little bit more than that. A little bit more than that? Okay, Probably, we'll say, probably ten days. Okay, so we'll say ten days. days out of a six-week season, and you but, saw three shooter bucks in the Adirondacks. Yeah, well, I saw two shooter bucks, and I had one on camera the day before I was there. Okay. Um, But... I, I, I'm different than you guys. I, I get a spot, and that's my spot for the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I just I, – when I find something I like, that's where I, where I go every day. And, and you know, sooner or later, I think those averages play into your favor mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, because deer are going to travel through that area. You know, when I find a spot, there, there's going to be a deer traveling mm-hmm. through there at some point, mm-hmm. just whether or not it's the day I'm there and time that I'm Well, there. you have a skill that I've said at the Brad and Bailey, and I'll say it again, that I need to rekindle. Because as a kid, I never had an issue doing it as far yeah. as sitting. I would sit more uh, more than I ever do yeah. now. Yeah. And it's guys like you that I'm finding are having more consistent success. If you're not a tracker you're right. you know, and you're just a guy that hunts you know, X amount of days a year, yeah. it's guys like you that are sitting and being consistent with where you're sitting and what you're doing that are actually killing bucks. And I need to get better at that because I have this – I've developed this very bad habit of constantly wondering what's over the oh, next ridge, ridge, which has paid off. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely some good that comes with it as far as the expo- exploration part of it, finding sign, learning the woods, all that kind of stuff, and I'm very thankful for that. But it's also burned me a lot. I, yeah. I know that if I could plant my butt somewhere – especially knowing what I know in certain areas now, there, there's success to be had. The tough part is finding the mental discipline to yeah. do it, though. That's yeah. hard. Well, especially, hard. Especially, like, when you had just got here earlier and we were talking upstairs, how I was saying I want to kill. Like, I, I love, like, the what's over the next ridge and, like, I don't know what buck I'm going to kill. I love that. Mm-hmm. There's also part of me that wants to f- hone in on that one buck and just yeah. focus on him and kill him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think it's – the best strategy to go at him you know still hunting every single day yeah. or you know i think that just makes it way harder versus you know picking these spots like yeah. this spot this spot and this spot whatever it may be now, that's train, not to feature, say that sign. doing these other things is not look at brad for example no you've no, had not how many solid encounters on bare ground crunchy leaves really unfavorable conditions to where you could have or did shoot bucks. I mean, right. you've had many opportunities or many situations like that. So clearly it does work. If you're the right person with the right set of skills, the right mindset absolutely can work. I'm finding, though, personally, it's not my strength. Well, I was just going to say, you just perfectly described that your dad's hunting to his strength, success. Mm-hmm. I'm hunting to my strength, yes. success. It's the same thing. You know, everybody just has to and we've I guess I'm kind of like I'm kind of like in the middle now where I'm trying to find my niche. Like mm-hmm. I don't uh, – I know I don't do well. 
you know, crunching around on the leaves all day. But I also don't do well sitting for seven days straight. I can't do. I'll go crazy. Right. So I'm trying to find that happy medium in my hunting. Yeah, world you're like your your mind is like extremely. You curious. A, yes. Yeah. Yes. But it, like, but you are data driven at the same time. Like it, the things that you talk to me about that are interesting you at certain points in the deer season, I never even consider, <laughs> you know, like, you'll be like, you'll be like, I've been studying these maps and like, I, dude, I, I'm dying to go up here. This looks like killer bedding area. I'm going to go check that out. And that's just like something that I wouldn't do. And maybe, maybe what's happening is you're just stringing yourself out on things that make sense in your mind but they're not playing out that way in the woods that's absolutely yeah. it that's absolutely it my curiosity is killing this cat that's for sure this past there you go. Se- yeah. this there past you go. season more than ever for mm-hmm. some reason this past season because i know you can get it done dude i mean oh, i absolutely I, know yeah, you can maybe you're just you haven't settled into something yet i'm looking for a way to be more efficient mm-hmm. now that i have a child now that i have other responsibilities mm-hmm. time's going to be condensed i need to f- it's it's not so much going out and figuring things out every time i go you out always the find the best sign out of all of us every year that's true Corey always finds near the time. road <laughs> he does hey he does give that away <laughs> um but no i need to find a way to take all the things that i've been able to do when i had more time and had the freedom and the luxury of going out and spending 30 days in the woods and figuring this stuff out mm-hmm. and turning it into a way to be successful in a, in a period of seven to ten days yeah well it rolls us i mean that rolls us right into one of our topics of conversation was starting to narrow down and be more specific about where that's, you're hunting that's yeah. exactly what i was just thinking mm-hmm. you're too too spread too out that's 100 percent. you become more centralized yeah but that, i mean that still goes along with the thing of like what's over like oh i've never haven't been to that, that mountain haven't been to that mountain like you well, just want to see like everything we're so new to the adirondacks so new that we hear stories from other guys. We see pictures from other guys. We see other camps. We see, you know, sp- how bucks grow in one area versus the other. And you're like, I want to experience that. Yeah. I want to see what it's like. Is what they're seeing actually what's occurring? That's what gets me. And I'm yeah. like, I want to go up there and try it. I want to yeah. do it before yeah. I'm too old to do it. But now's the point. Like, we have three years under our belt hunting up north. And we're still completely brand new to this. Yeah. But I feel like it's time to be more laser focused, like you just said, on this property here, this property here, and this property here. Tie them all together. And then when you want to adventure, when you need that break, Mm -hmm. go try one of those other things. Scratch that itch that you had all season. Especially with your camera data. It'll give you the opportunity to be more focused in an area. Mm -hmm. If if you know you got a six-day window in this area that, you know, deer over the last three years have been going through. Right. You know. It only makes sense. Let your cameras work it out for you. one spot. But if you're if you're hunting the same area, it's kind of the same same thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I, you, that's why you can't you can't always hunt like other people because where your stand is, Johnny, that is an absolutely killer stand. It is, I would never killer. hunt there because I constantly have to go as far back as I can. <laughs> yeah, like and that's why I'll never have success in the, in the manner that you do because yeah. you're willing. You hunt your mind works differently. You yeah. hunt it differently. Yeah. And there's yeah. bucks all over that piece yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a that's a. I mean, I'm so good at it, Brad. I make the deer run right up, my, almost sit in my lap. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Heck ran ran right, right into, into the stand. ladder on my <laughs> I know. stand. I mean, I've never heard somebody Jesus, say you that put a deer right on the X this year. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no spot. Yeah. And no what spot. we're joking about is my dad's buck, before he shot it, was so love drunk, chasing a doe, that he legitimately ran headfirst into his ladder. Stand. You said you had counted his points before you shot him because <laughs> well, he was right he, under your stand. Yeah, well, what, I got that skirt on the front of my stand, you know, so I can move my feet and whatnot. Well, he come around chasing that doe, and he ran into the stand. It startled him. Startled With his body, me. not his antlers. I, don't, I, I, don't, I couldn't see. It just, as I know, it was, 
the the ladder and the whole tree stand shook. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to end up riding this thing like a bronc here because I'm going to be on top of it's it. It's about to get real western. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, it scared him, so he stopped. And I could hear him underneath my stand, you know, stomping, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, he turned around and came back out, and I'm looking straight down at the top of his head, and I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. And I just kept saying, just go out 20 yards and turn sideways mm-hmm. for me. And of course, he couldn't do that. He had to go out 20 yards and, and be facing away from me right. and then win me and take off running. Yeah. You know, so, then it got uh, good. Then it got real <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. Got- yeah. If anybody had been in the woods that day, they would have had me committed because, I mean, <laughs> I took the shot. I had no idea if I hit him. Or not, he, right. never, he never stumbled, he never staggered, nothing. He just kept right on going, through him and the three dozers. You were with. probably hoping that tree stand was going to fall over. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, I was, I was livid, livid. I was convinced I missed him, and, you know, but then I get down, I go check, and yeah. nice, nice puddle of blood. Yeah, you hit him beautiful. Oh, yeah, I couldn't, shot. I don't know if I could have hit him that well if he'd been standing still, to be honest. And that was how many, how many days in that stand at that point? Uh, like how many separate that's a, it's about, it was that's about, the last day of the se- rifle season, wasn't it? Was it was the last four minutes of rifle season for me. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. I, uh, I, you don't want the whole story, but <laughs> I, at 9.30 in the morning, I said, all right, I'm hunting the 10.30 this, t- today, and, and then I'm done, and then I'll hunt the last week. You'd already been in your stand, though. Oh, or yeah. Or did you get in your stand at 9.30? No, I was in my stand at I, – I mean, I get in early. So I, you had been sitting there, and at 9.30 you said, give it another hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at 9.30, I said, 10.30, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to look down at my Garmin there, and it was 10.24. And I heard something behind me. I was actually looking at the garment at the clock when I heard something behind me. And I mm-hmm. turned and looked, and it's a doe. I'm like, oh, nice doe. At least I saw something today. Then I hear yeah. another doe. Then another doe. Then another. Oh, no, that one's got antlers. So. Uh, <laughs> You're hunting uh, in the Adirondacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That kind of leads into something else that I was just thinking about, too. Our rut, and I think we've all had similar observations, is much later here than I ever thought it was. I used to think it was much earlier, but right. now that we hunt up north, you're talking December 2nd, you shot that yeah. buck, 1030 yeah. in the morning. 1030 in the morning. Yeah, this beautiful deer come running down the hillside. It seems like now as we've collected years of hunting up there, the latter half of November into the first week of December is when yeah. things really are like really good. There's a lot of big bucks that get killed in that period of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of big bucks are seen yep. or there's a lot of trail cameras saying that yep. they're on their feet. Then my, we'll my muzzleloader buck, um, yes. Three years ago yeah. was on a group of four does yeah. on December 9th, maybe ninth. Yeah. 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 Um, and then that eight pointer, this well, year, yeah. he was. I'm assuming he was dogging that doe based on her behavior and his. There's another late muzzleloader right. buck and that, that was chasing that's all, That's all in the Adirondacks. I just want to tie it in because Corey and I have talked. We're talking about this like towards the end of the season of how and and you know subtract tracking out of the situation because obviously the later the season is, you know, the better tracking gets right. theoretically because, because of, of snow. Be, well, and because the bucks are going to start slowing laying down. down. Yeah. Um, but. I, yeah. but yeah, that's do they? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, do guys they? say yeah. that maybe elsewhere, but it seems like too, like we get into Thanksgiving week, and I'm not to cut you off, but we get into Thanksgiving week, and that's when we generally have snow, and we look mm-hmm. forward to going. But the bucks don't seem to slow down. I mean, I got lucky last year, and that buck did for whatever reason. But every every other buck that I've tracked from Thanksgiving week to the close, mm-hmm. they're on their feet moving with those looking for those or appear to be looking for those. Sure, they're right. not actually just laying down. In my, in, I, in my I was just, I was just going to go back to the conversation we had a while back and it was like how late season, late season is becoming our favorite time to hunt. Mm. I mean, 
It's just mm-hmm. so much more predictable. Right. It, well, maybe you're going to do. And I missed, like you said earlier, I missed that buck. I mean, I think it was the last week of muzzleloader. I missed that buck, and I had hunted. I mean, this is farm country, granted, but he had come out in this field two nights in a row. Like, or well, not two nights in a row. It was uh, two weeks in a row. Both times I sat there, I saw him. He's dogging does, and I mean, it's December. What at that point? Yeah, seventeenth, eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. He's yeah. he's chasing does around. They're sprinting all around me. Yeah. I can't get a shot at him. And then uh, the last night I saw him, he wasn't but it makes me wonder on your buck core um the sleepy joe buck maybe maybe bigger bucks slow down faster because it's not easy being big man on campus no you know not only is he chasing does but he's you know it's basically expected that he's going to win any fight if he's a mature buck in the area so he has to challenge every buck he encounters meanwhile all these little buggers they just don't waste that energy they just move on to the next thing that's a great perspective and also that that brings me to talk about like Nothing is concrete with any of these. Oh, things. No, I'm uh, totally hypothesizing that that's, that's nice. yeah. No, but that's, an, but that's a great wrong. hypothesis, and it totally makes sense when you think about. It. Now, is it true? I don't know. It could be true for mm-hmm. one buck and not the other. But there's nothing concrete in any of this stuff. Like not at all. that's another thing that I am very guilty of, specifically with tracking. It's almost like sometimes I feel like I look back on a day of tracking, and I'm like, I almost I feel like I tracked like I was reading a manual. Like, okay, I picked up his yep. track. He's yep. straight lining. Okay, I need to go. 100%. Oh, he's, he's zigzagging. I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. I got to, personally, I have to get that out of my head. I got to stop hunting like I'm hunting from a manual. Yes. And I need to start hunting mm-hmm. and actually reading well, what's going on and paying mm-hmm. attention to what, what the deer are doing. And slow down everywhere. I get, I get This year, I found myself moving way too quickly yeah. in every situation that I, I mean, came it did, wor- it did work for you on the deer you did track, though, although they were a couple spike horns. You know, you did sneak up I tracked, them. Yeah, I tracked a lot of deer to their bed this year, <laughs> just not the right deer. But the, I'm just saying, especially, like, on some of the bigger bucks I followed, that is something I need to get better at. Yeah. I, it, just, it made me think of it when we were just having yeah, that I was conversation. Just, I was just going to say quick, like, Todd Mead put it per- perfectly when we talked to him. He's like... Those young bucks, you know, they're like the horny teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. think of when you're 18 years old going after all the all the girls, chasing all the Anywhere girls around. And any, he said, and then as time goes on, the older you get, that slows right down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, like, yeah. that's a very – I think that's a very good analogy of, like, how it works with bucks, too. Yeah, well, I'm sure – like, and, again, hypothesizing young bucks might smell a doe freaking, you know, three miles away. I'm just throwing that out there. And he's yeah. going to go try and find her. Big buck's like, nope, nope she ain't close too enough. Far. Nope, yeah, yeah, too far. Nope. Yeah, exactly. So much yeah. more calculated. How much, mm-hmm. how much of an effect do you think – long-term weather has on the way they move too. for we had an on unseasonably warm mm-hmm. hunting season uh this is just my opinion <sighs> i don't yeah. i think it's uh, science says if you look at what the science is producing right now science in. says that everything is still happening mm-hmm. the way that it should be same time year in and year out and i totally believe that like it makes sense the problem is as hunters we're only out there for a certain amount of days. We only get to observe so much. It's very anecdotal what we are observing. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, we have more success on the days where it's colder, there's snow on the ground, mm-hmm. and that's why we ha- we come up with this, you know, the idea that, oh, there's a cold front coming through. We need to go hunt it. It absolutely makes sense, and I certainly do think it gets deer on their feet and moving more when it's unseasonably warm or something <laughs> like that. But the other hand is to everything that they say is happening probably is happening just more on a local level oh, as far yeah. as it's very well, centralized. Some, something else that plays into that too, I think, like when when the weather is right, your head's right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like going Mindset. into it, like you you have that perfect day, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go climb this mountain, this mountain, this mm-hmm. mountain. And now go back and say it's yeah. you know 70 degrees, and you're like, 
I'm not gonna go. I'm mm-hmm. not going up there today. You know, it's yeah. kind of, I feel like a lot yeah, of it plays here's a perfect your example. Your deer you killed this year. Think about it, if if you had to go back. But it, Corey, it was it had rained out. It did. Yeah. Rain. yeah so we were hunting differently. That is true. Yeah. That is well, very true. I, and I, I mean, I said it in the last podcast too. Like, I would have never. The, what my plan was going into that day, mm-hmm. I would have never done that on a rainy day. It was just like that fluke thing. I was like, I'm going to go back here and sit on this scrape line today, and mm-hmm. I didn't even make it there. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's. There's nothing definitive. The thing, about the thing with that. that, I mean, it's a totally valid question, John. But the thing with that is, like, how many times are you seeing absolutely nothing, and you talk to other guys, and they're like, "Really? Because I'm seeing but, bucks chasing like crazy." Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. And again, that's anecdotal as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the uh, What was the other thing we had on that on that list there, Brad? Uh, well, Corey had had mentioned uh, maybe speaking about our progression as hunters, but I, I think right. I think. To, to narrow that down more because that could lead to a really long it's conversation. Very, yeah, like maybe just in, maybe just in the last uh, like three to four years, five years, like how have you um, – because we've all kind of settled in and become a lot more consistent than I – certainly than I was when be I was good in because my Gunga's, Gunga's hunting's changed drastically. Yeah, you've the gone past. the opposite. Yeah, I've <laughs> regressed. No, 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 you haven't regressed. Well, you found a new – You found a new passion. passion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, deer yeah. – Totally taken a backseat for me. Yeah, but really? it's because you found something else you love. Yeah, the ducks. Yeah, oh, and there yeah. was a time in my life where it, it did too. I was, I just was a little bit younger when I took up waterfowling, but yet I, I really didn't care about deer hunting at that point in time. And then yeah. it, I came back into deer hunting, but waterfowling is absolutely addicting. I believe it. Yeah, I, I, like I, I have said, no I went once, but I believe it. Freaking, mm-hmm. all. I can't wait to go. I'm going to be going with him. The camaraderie is like second to none, right? Yeah, Compared I mean, to deer hunting. it's, it's not as pre-season work intensive mm-hmm. the day of it i would argue that it's certainly oh, yeah it's know, more just, I, i'll say this duck hunting like at least what i did when i was with just hunt club when i went out with them that's more work than going in and setting oh, up a, yeah. a stand oh, yeah. anywhere dude. Oh, yeah. i mean it's not as labor intensive on your body i guess mm-hmm. but like setting all those decoys Decoys. out getting the boat in the right position doing all that stuff is just crazy it's a lot of of mental wear and tear throughout the season too because you're going out there and if the conditions aren't right and the ducks aren't you know they're not flying this year it seemed like we had two really good days where the migration was just on point i mean we had piles of black ducks around and then after that it was dead which i I think you and you and joey said don't people travel from like far distances come shoot those black ducks well joey says it but that doesn't mean it's true (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know as though black ducks are like a very sought after species they might be for people outside of this flyway (laughs) but i yeah i don't know how did you how did you get into i don't even remember how did you get into duck hunting Joe sent me a text message like two or three years ago. He said, hey, if I buy a boat, will you duck hunt with me? And I said, yeah, sure. And that's it. If you were wondering how addicting it is, that's all it took. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I had just been buying bows, arrows, doing the tuning. I was right you know, on the same path as you guys. And then it's, hey, if I get a boat, you want to come duck hunt with me? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I haven't that's looked cool. back since. Yeah. 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 Brad, how about how about you? What do you what would your perspective on that? Like on, on this topic, like that yeah. One. Well, I would say that um, probably when we pick up THP for the first time seven or eight years ago, <sighs> yeah. A long time. yeah, yeah, I was 2016, 2017. Yeah, so I would say there. once we made the public land switch, which I had never hunted public land, that's when my hunting career had changed because. Um, 
you could just hunt for you hunt wherever you wanted. Uh, specifically up north, I mean, for I mean, six million acres, you can hunt wherever you want. Yeah. Um, and that's what changed hunting for me. Um, and I don't ever see myself looking back. I'm absolutely addicted to hunting the big woods. I love the mystery of it all, and um, you never know what kind of buck that you're going to run into. You can shoot a buck on a piece of ground you've never been on before. Yeah. Um, and that's where my hunting. My hunting has changed just in the sense that it rekindled that fire for me because I was getting pretty burnout on hunting the same mm. hundred acres at yeah. home. Not, I don't want to cut you off, but it's so it's so crazy how drastically different our situations are because, like, you've been hunting. How many years have you been hunting? I mean, let's just say since I was – I could hunt a small game at 12, and I'm 31 now, so almost right, so 20 years. 20 years. Just shy of 20 you, spent, years. you spent that first – 15 years for mm-hmm. or 16 years mm-hmm. doing the same thing year in mm-hmm. and year out like same type of hunting, hunting. the same places and, my and, dad hunted the 20 and years which is good you got good at doing that too right yeah, yeah. you guys have killed yeah. some really nice bucks over and, there. and it's yeah. like for me you know like i started hunting seriously hunting five six years ago probably mm-hmm. and like ever since then it's kind of like been an evolution of what you guys were doing is like what i was learning so like i got everything like yeah. I, I started just getting all these different types and styles of Yeah, you hunting really got a really f- very fair shake of timing how it worked out as far as like you <laughs> yeah. you did get yeah. a very good mix of everything. Yeah. Corey's and I mean first, there's still tons Corey's of learn, first obviously, four or five but... years of hunting, I'm surprised he <laughs> still hunts. Well that's what <laughs> actually that's what made me think of this topic was thinking back to when I was a kid. So when I was a kid and my dad can attest to it, I, I hunted a lot oh, for being yeah. a young kid. Yeah. I mean I was Young, little, cold. Eight, eight and years old, and you'd sit all day with I would me. sit all day. I have been enthralled with white-tailed deer my entire life. I am obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Nothing has wavered with them. I, nothing probably will ever. I love right. I love deer hunting. Yeah. But I had no success. None. I couldn't even shoot a doe. <laughs> no, that's no joke. I could not shoot a deer to save my life. First, like, legal years of hunting or whatever, all my friends around me in school, they're all shooting these bucks, and I'm like, the only one that's not shooting deer. I couldn't even find a deer in the woods. Well, finally, I had a little success when I was like 15, you know, 15 years old, I think it was, 14, something like 16. that. <laughs> 17. <laughs> yeah. was, I can't, it was 2014, so whatever, or no, 13. You were 16 when you shot your first one. I can't remember. Anyways, shot my first deer, thought it was going to change something, it didn't, and then I had a big break of hunting i didn't really hunt much after that sports right. sports took over played a lot of baseball went right into the workforce you were a big fisher guy for a while yeah. too. i was big into fishing yeah. for bailey actually got me into that because i yeah. really didn't i mean i fished when i was younger but not seriously i did that a little bit but like my first few years in the workforce i didn't really didn't really hunt much and then all of a sudden i decided i bought a crossbow one time i'm like I'm gonna that, that was really the start of it that was like the start of it and we got access to the north granville property yeah. there that was always and a that was thing. on uh, hill street right yes yeah, yeah. yeah i was yeah. 21 22 yeah. i didn't even really was. when we first started hanging out i didn't even really know you hunted at all no i didn't i didn't yeah. hardly hunt. I, that's a you, pretty big fact yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, did, I had no idea that you yeah. really even had an interest in it yeah there it was, was a huge lapse in time like probably five or six years <laughs> when we all started hanging out i hate you guys would turn hunting on i'm like turn that shit off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put, put bass fishing on <laughs> um so, yeah, I, I hunted with a crossbow one year, and it was actually my first year being a cop. I remember the chief gave me a week off. I was like, this is awesome. I'm off from work for a week, and I get to go hunt. I haven't done this in years. Saw a handful of bucks, missed a little four corn, and then, like, that just ignited it. I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. 
still didn't have much success. I started hanging out with Gunga and Adam. They helped me get my first bow, actually, up at uh, up here in Hartford. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Even I'm learning this, and I was here for all oh, yeah, Adam, I, Adam was the, other the bow guy at the time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's the yeah. only one that we sure knew was. that bow hunted. Yeah. Wow. And that, I guess the backtrack, I, we had no exposure to bow hunting growing up. Because you, no. didn't, you didn't start deer hunting until later in life. I was 18 years old, 19 yeah. years old when yeah. I started. I mean, I grew up coon hunting. I mean, that's all we ever did, coon hunting and trapping. Right, so there was no exposure to bow hunting or anything like that. I had no idea how to bow hunt. Yeah. So I was learning from scratch with these guys. I mean, we all yeah. were, like, as green as green can be, and Adam was the only source of information at the yeah. time. So, Boy, we, that's tough skin. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Adam. <laughs> so That boy was a killer back then. Though. He was. He I, was. Adam was an absolute let killer. Me, let me tell you something. Adam is a very well-rounded outdoorsman. That kid knows – he traps. Every, he he's a he trapped forever. Very good trapper. Very good trapper. Knows every tree, every plant species. Like we'll go in the woods and be like, you know what this is? You know what this is? When I need to know a tree, I ask what I ask Adam when he's with us. <laughs> he's dipped his yeah. toe in pretty much everything outdoors. Yeah, yeah. he's a mm-hmm. hell of a fisherman. He, yeah. I mean, he was out ice fishing today. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had it up on our shore. Yeah, he fishes alone all the time. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Yeah. That was just we knocked on him. I had to give him some credit for no, something. No, no, oh, I agree. Oh, he knows I'm just yeah, he knows I'm just But anyways, I. I didn't really start killing deer until I lived in Jersey for a period of time, honestly. Yeah, I you, you so did. so thankful. That's a good point, too. Yeah. So thankful for my days in Jersey because that curve of knowing absolutely nothing to knowing just enough to have a little bit of success, the gap was closed between that little bit of success and having more consistent success going to Jersey. And it was strictly because there's a lot of freaking mm-hmm. deer down there. Yeah. There is no shortage of deer. I'm not saying it's easy to kill a mature buck but it's definitely not as hard as other places just because the population is huge. I got to see deer doing deer things on a daily basis down there. I got to see how they move through the woods. I got to see what topographical features they're using. I got to see what they're doing at certain times of the year and honing in on that. I got to hunt six months out of the year, September to February. That's crazy. Yeah. So I gained a lot of experience in the three seasons that I hunted down there. I killed some really nice bucks, saw some even crazier big bucks down there, bucks that I'll probably never get a chance to see again, at least consistently. Mm -hmm. And then taking – I felt like when I came back from Jersey, I had a certain level of confidence and experience and exposure, stuff that was really fresh in my mind that thankfully going into the first year of hunting the Adirondacks translated into it in a completely different setting, but just from the confidence aspect alone. Mm-hmm. And that's when you and I got together and we really started hunting a lot up north when we a started lot, lot. unraveling yeah. what we're diving even deeper into nowadays i just want to say something to like build on what you were saying like how you went to jersey and how your confidence just was through the roof and how you got to see deer doing deer things i know so many people like knock on the fact of like the urban hunting and like like oh, see, i want to clear it up i i did hunt some urban areas but i was more so hunting rural public land where i was in jersey believe still, it or but not with, with very high deer Density. Very high deer density. It's very high. And, like, I know people are, like, quick to jump on, like, the Seek One guys, like, like oh, that's not hunting. But, like, I tell you what, everywhere those guys go, they go and kill an absolute slammer. Mm-hmm. I am a firm believer that if you're an inexperienced or novice hunter, you need to hunt someplace with high deer densities. Right. Not to say that there's not going to be great hunters that come out of the Adirondacks that grew up hunting there their whole life and never done anything well, else because right. that's been proven time and time again. And that's, that and that's what you hear from most people who've hunted. And, you know, a lot of people say, you, you grew up hunting the Adirondacks, you go kill a deer anywhere. Absolutely. Well, I'd be I'd be tempted to say you hunt those areas like you're talking about 
And you could most likely go kill deer anywhere with that, too, just because mm-hmm. you've seen so yeah. much deer activity and know what, I guess not know, but you have a good idea of, like, even if it's in a your predictive measures setting. are just as good as anybody else's when it comes to being ahead of the curve right. and going hunting. Well, just up. getting to, I mean, shooting animals is that's a big deal. That's the other thing. You know, you have to, yeah, you have to get some kills under your belt and and learn how to control your body and mm-hmm. and in your mind, which can be very difficult in those situations. Oh, the more you yeah. do that, the more you kind of you know. I'm not going to say you know, I'm great edge. at killing deer, but I've gotten much better because I had the well, if, opportunity. Yeah, but if you only shoot a deer every six seven years you know it's that that when that moment of truth comes sometimes it's not as easy as maybe somebody that's that's just had a lot more time on the trigger so to speak absolutely we've talked about a hundred times i used when i first started turkey hunting i mean i would go season after season and never even come close on a turkey and now it's like i'm tagged out by the second or by the first week every single year because it just got to the point where i was becoming very proficient at hunting turkeys and shooting turkeys when they came in range right yeah you just have to Absolutely, and, and, it's being know. out there and doing it. That's yeah, another. You just thing. have to be out there doing it, right? You can't. You can't sit here. I, you can sit there and watch every YouTube video under the sun. There you you could read every Which single a lot of book. Yeah. But if you're not out there applying it or even trying to do stuff for yourself, you're yeah. never going to figure it out. You ever out. watch a guy like build a very simple little table and then you try to build it and it looks <laughs> yeah, like you have right. a blindfold on? Yeah. You want to you know something? <laughs> right now we're right now we're doing we're framing and doing some sheetrock in in the basement right how, right here where we are and I've watched I don't know how many YouTube videos on doing it and then I get to do it and I'm like dad how do I freaking do this? <laughs> I don't I don't know how to do it. Yeah. yeah same thing you have to do it in reality like yeah. real world situations. Yeah. Yep. Um that's another thing that you guys Gunga Brad be like I I turkey hunted, quote unquote turkey hunted when I was a kid. I shot my first that was actually the first animal I ever shot yeah. was a turkey. You know, I shot a turkey when I was a kid with my grandfather, but then another giant lapse and then you guys rekindled. Yeah. Actually helped me find my love for turkey hunting. I really mm. enjoy it now. It's something love I look forward to. Any anything that gets you out in the woods, you know, just scouting during the off season isn't just about finding good sign for next year. It's also just honing your, your wood's in. eye and yeah, your wood's ears, and, like, that stuff's super important. Yep. Yeah. Like, every deer hunter, like, anybody that's spent enough times in the woods knows what it means when you say, like, I heard that crick crack. Yes. Everybody knows what yeah. a crick crack sounds like when you're deer hunting. That means there's a deer moving or a deer getting up or something. It's that familiar I sound. could bring, you know, Bianca out with me right now, and if I could replicate that – Right over top of her yeah, head. Mm-hmm. Like, she just doesn't have an ear for it, that because it, it, it means nothing to her. It's so funny that, like, we don't notice that kind of thing because we are we are in the woods so much compared to the average person. And, like, you go with someone who isn't ever out in the woods mm-hmm. and, like, just the stuff that they observe and that, like, you versus what you observe and mm-hmm. hear out there, it's insane. Yeah. Like, they're just not even, they're not even on the same page <laughs> when, yeah. when you're doing that kind you of can, stuff. You don't know what you don't know, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I was I was gonna bring something else up and I forgot I was gonna tie it back into something. Oh, what I was talking about earlier with the uh, I, I wanted to go back to like uh, like one of the, what was the question the skills that we've acquired over the years or whatever the topic we were going over. Yeah, how, like how you've oh our progression our progression yeah progression. I was telling you guys earlier one thing that I've noticed about myself at, just as like a skill hunting wise is my ability to look at a map now. Mm-hmm. It versus, I mean, obviously when I first started, I had no idea. But, like, even when I thought I kind of knew, like, oh, yeah, maybe, like, I would go to these spots and I'd be like, no, that's not it. Well, now I feel like I'm at the point where I can look at a map and a vast majority of the time I look at it and I go there and I'm like, I'm, I'm almost positive within this, you know, 
quarter mile loop right here. Yeah. I'm going to find what I think I'm going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. And I've just seemed to become very successful at doing that yeah. over the past. Yeah, I would years. argue more than trail cameras that these topographic maps and stuff on our phones these days are the worst thing that ever happened to a big buck. Yeah. Oh, I sit there at Absolutely. night every night and look at something on those mm-hmm. topo maps. I'm yeah. like, and I find something new every time. It's amazing. You can pretty much scout his entire his entire area without ever having set foot in it. Yeah. You know. The highway, the side but, streets, and everything in between. And, and wouldn't you guys agree that, I, I mean, you guys are very good at looking at them as well. Like, wouldn't you agree that when you look at it, you could almost gauge, like, and, and not, it's not bulletproof, not every single time, but a vast majority of the time you could look at it and put it in, like, a quarter-mile loop and be like, I think I should find a scrape here. Or I was going to say, I could tell you that I could definitely look at a map and find sign. That I can guarantee. Right. I can't tell you that, I'll shoot that, a buck in there, but no, I can no, no. find that's sign. No, no, no. That's what yeah. I'm saying. M- more, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I could find sign. Sometimes deer, sometimes, yeah. but not. Well, I mean, we killed a buck doing that one time. We so. did do that. Yeah. We yeah. did do that. I mean, that was just blind luck, but. Yeah. I mean, well, it that, was and it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was and it wasn't. The, the, the fact cool, the deer was there yes. was the luck part. Yes. The cool thing about that is we had been watching THP for, I mean, I don't know, it's been a couple of years this way. <laughs> we absolutely we, idolized them oh, at the we, time. Like, oh what they God. said was gospel. It and was, uh, I, we always just remember them saying, like, you don't have to go way deep in. You know, sometimes it's right next to the road where no one's going to go. The and I'll never spot. forget, we're driving down that long-ass road in Pennsylvania, and we're like, I don't know. And we all just kind of decided, we're like, why don't we just go right where it turns public right here? There's no vehicles or anything. And we head in there. That is crazy. It was a, it was a, a yeah. corner a sliver, I'd say, probably 1,000 yards by 1,000 yards, maybe, that we were generally hunting where we had spread yeah. out on the ridge. I mean, that road, we drove up that road probably two miles, and there was no room to park. There were so many <laughs> people <laughs> on the stretch of public. Wow. And, and we finally were like – All those hunters bump, surely yeah. push that buck right down yeah, to us. Yeah, we parked right – like we were probably, what, two, 300 yards off the border of the public and the private. Right on the line, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Bailey, you shouldn't have gone. <laughs> I wanted to it's sit. Actually, it's actually really funny. Gung and I are walking in, and Gung and I, when we spend a lot of time together, we tend to get a little mouthy towards each other. No. And uh, <laughs> I don't believe it. Gung and I are, are walking in there, and he, Gung is like, "All right, pull up the map. Where are you planning on going?" I'm like, "I'm going to go right here." And he's like. That's where I was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a morning person. Yeah, you you know, stick to your convictions, so. Gunga. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Gunga's like, whatever, I guess I'll just go back here. Well, I'm a nice guy, so I gave up my spot. And it, and the, and it was so funny. The spot that I was sitting was a beautiful spot looking over this big drainage, and Corey was hooking around the outside of it. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to shoot a buck right here. Yeah, Bailey and I are, like, super strategic. Like, oh, we might, you know, we might get onto something here and, like, really working our way in and – I don't even think we've got setting up yet. And then, boom, Gunga's touching yeah, one no. off as the buck's going right behind Bailey and I. I found a big old tree. I hung an orange T-shirt up over my head. I had a buck on the ground by, what, 7.30? It was like 7.30, like 30 minutes into the did, opening day of rifle season. did you say you think the buck saw the shirt? Oh, the he tree? had to have because he came in over my left shoulder. I have the gun leaned up against the tree. I'm completely unprepared to shoot a deer. I'm just And I turn around and I look and I see him and I'm like, Oh, this this is not gonna happen. <laughs> and he's staring like he's looking at me, but n- like just like he's looking through me. And I had this orange T-shirt on a sapling, like five ten yards in front of me, because I scared somebody's gonna shoot me. There's so many you. cars parked. Yeah, I don't like you. And uh, he just kind of turns and he starts walking broadside. And then he turns straight away. So I grab the gun, but now he's straight away from me. Um, 
I'm like, I got nothing going here. Then all of a sudden he turns broadside again for like a split second, and I just whipped it up and shot. I had no idea if I hit him. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest part of this whole story is I remember walking up, and Gunga's like, I, I think I hit him. I, I don't know. I don't know if I hit him or not. And just for everyone listening, Gunga's colorblind. So <laughs> yeah, the, the Gunga's like, I can't, I can't find any blood. And I just look like five feet in front of Gunga, and there, this tree is just Painted Blood trailing is not my forte. I have never seen Gunga run, skip, and jump so so high, so far, and so quick as he did when he saw yeah. that buck laying on the ground. Yeah, that awesome. was awesome. Yeah, that he was a monster was a too. Yeah. He yeah, was, was a hog. Beautiful, beautiful. As buck. big a buck I've seen on a taxidermy form, you know, like as I've ever seen. I mean, that his neck is huge, huge. on that form. He was a big. He was body. a boss. And they didn't yeah. stuff that up in there that was the size he was supposed to have he was oh, yeah. not even though he was so close to the road he was not easy getting out of there either he was he was no. heavy what do you he think was he heavy. weighed um he was all a 180 yeah, all yeah. i yeah. mean if he tipped the scale at 200 i wouldn't be i wouldn't surprised, have been surprised but either. i'm not gonna say i shot a 200 pound sure. buck without ever having it on right. a scale i so. really kicked myself for not not making it happen to get that buck weighed. We should have weighed him. That's yeah. my fault. I didn't have a scale or anything at the well, time. Well, no, I mean, there, that's not what we were concerned with No, at the I time, know, but it would have so. been nice to know. I, for you and for all of us, it would have been cool to I know, like the little mystery. It is. It is definitely <laughs> He's whatever you want I still don't know what he scores, and I don't care. You know? <laughs> no, he's beautiful. Yeah, that was funny. We were in we were in Jersey. Just I mean, we were we'd been hunting in Jersey days prior to that, and then yeah. we were just like, let's go oh, to PA. Let's, let's go to Pennsylvania. Again. Yeah, that was just on a whim. I think that was another like on yeah. a whim hunting type thing. I think yeah, that Corey was texted awesome. me on Wednesday. Yep, and said, "Hey, let's go to Pennsylvania. It's open." Well, up I didn't. On I had never even thought about it because I was so obsessed with hunting New Jersey at the time, and then it just kind of clicked. Like I wanted there again. The curiosity was killing me. Like I want to do something new and. These guys were coming down all the time, like, let's go to PA. And it's right there where I used to live, like, right across the border. And, boy, is the hunting good over there. And it mm-hmm. proved to be that way in the first 30 minutes. I would def- I definitely at some point would like to spend some time in, in PA again. Yeah. Go hunt down there. Be, uh, there's a lot fun. of places I still want to go and, and, and explore, especially, like, the Ohio's mm-hmm. and, you know, out west and stuff. Yep. But yep, absolutely. That'll all happen over time. So, anyone else got anything to so, add? So, I guess – to wrap up like the whole progression thing that kind of also got me thinking about that topic when I sent you guys a text a few weeks ago or whatever was like, I didn't kill a buck this year. And this is the first time in like five years that I haven't killed a buck. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, obviously, oh, wait, hang on, hang on, pause. If you guys can hear in the background right now, that's most likely the reason <laughs> those, those, <laughs> no, scre- that, those wailing not. cries in the background. <laughs> no, it, it, you know what? It was a good thing. It was humbling. First of all, second of all, I learned probably more not shooting a deer this year than I ever would have if I do, if I'd shot one in October and November. Mm-hmm. But it's gotten me to the point now where it's like brought me. It's brought. It's grounded me and made me realize I need to get back to my roots of hunting. I need to get back to hunting in general. Stop worrying about all this extra nonsense. Even trail cameras. I love trail cameras. I think they're fun. They're great. Whatever. But like put that stuff aside and just get back to the bare bones of focus. Go out. Enjoy your time in the woods. Make the most of it every single time. And that's where my progressions led me to today. Like, that's what I'm going to go. That next season, going into turkey season, deer season, that's that's what I'm getting back to. I'm getting yeah. back to my roots. Go back to the roots. Classic line of stop overthinking it. Stop overthinking yeah. it. And we that's all, absolutely. You know, I've done that more times 100%. than I can count. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it is, I think that's. There's your title of your podcast, Bill. Stop overthinking it. You know. 
And I I was just going to say, I think the overthinking thing has contributed to all the information that's out there today. Oh, it's <laughs> information know? overload. I, yeah. I'll sit there at night sometimes, and well, sometimes it's because I can't sleep or it's out of boredom, and I'll just read article after mm-hmm. article. and Because yeah. I, I do love reading that kind of stuff. I sure. very much so love reading it, watching YouTube videos <laughs> and looking at maps and all that stuff, but it's definitely information overload. Well, yeah, my information overload lately has been I've gone down absolute rabbit hole on Habitat. Oh, I love that. I love the Habitat Corey and stuff. I, I get, yeah, Corey and I have a little project we're going to be working on here soon coming up just down on our back. What is it, six acres here, seven yeah, acres? Yeah, it'll be about six acres yeah. of workable timber. Are you yeah. going to plant your favorite crap down there? Or? No. <laughs> no. No, no crops. Soybeans. No, no soybeans. No soybeans. <laughs> no, they are amazing, though. They really yeah. are. No, we'll, we'll probably do it. So we'll probably neat. do it. I think we're going to – actually, I was telling Corey today, I got a cool idea. We're going to shoot like a whole – we're going to do like a whole video of, of it, but then we're going to do a podcast to break down everything that we did. So that will yeah. be something that everyone can log on You really do get to. the whole gamut with us. Oh, I never know what you're gonna get with us. Oh, never I'm know. so ADHD with that stuff. Like, I am all over the place. I it's like squirrel nut over here, left, right. I'm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else we have. Hopefully soon we we have some guests lined up, but you know, one in particular that kind of pertains to the habitat stuff. Um, we're hoping to get on here and talk some forestry and timber management and stuff like that. Yeah, we actually uh, this coming Friday we have a guest coming on here. It'll be a pretty pretty. Is ex- that a for sure? For sure. Oh, yeah, cool. for sure. That'll be a pretty exciting one because he's a pretty he's a well known dude in the Northeast. He has Definitely. some really cool stuff going yeah, on. Seems like a cool guy. Um, and we're gonna try keep plugging away at the podcast stuff. We've kind of been on and off with it. It's just been so hard getting everybody together. But I think we're just gonna have to make a point of having whoever we have available to do it and do it. Because yeah. um, I I like doing it. And I know there's some people out there who really like listening. Um, and with the YouTube videos, basically, I think what we'll have is probably do our lake trout video again, like we did uh, last year. And uh, if we get ice, ever if we get ice, yeah, yeah if we get ice, and um, then mostly just till turkey season, then things will really kick off. We're gonna get some awesome, maybe some spring scouting. Yeah, yep, yep. Hopefully, we'll get some real awesome footage. You got a new camera, and uh, yeah. Anyone else? Oh, camp work too. Forgot about yeah. that. We'll yeah, we have to get some camp video work. camp work. Yeah, yep. We had an awesome camp. I don't. Know if we've mentioned it before. We have an awesome camp that we have access to now, and Dad and our uncle and a few other members have been doing a lot of work up there and making it something yep. special. So. Yeah, it'd be cool. I should. I should take some footage of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 That'd yep. be cool. Turn that into something. But other than that, guys, uh, we're gonna wrap it up right there. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, go give us a follow and like on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all under Adirondack Bucks and Beyond, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for being here, Gungi. Thanks for having me. <laughs>